Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Ian Simpkins as we continue the series, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. If you're new, we'd love to learn your name. Simply text CONNECT to 630-793-6399 and we'll send you more information about community. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. What? Blah, blah, blah. Wow. Are you kidding me? No. I told you. Yeah, stop. right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Hey, everyone. Welcome to week three of Emotionally Healthy Relationships. It's a series based on the book by Pete and Jerry Scazzaro of the same name. And we're kind of anchoring this whole thing in one particular passage in the book of Matthew, where essentially Jesus was asked, what what is all this about? What's the most important commandment? And he kind of gives two answers. Love God with your whole self, your integrated self, and love others. Love God, love others. So what we've been saying is that a mark of a maturing Christ follower is growing in this act of love. And I think sometimes the greatest barrier to our spiritual maturity is actually our emotional immaturity. So throughout this series, we're looking at five different relational skills. And the one I want to look at today is listen incarnationally. So I figured maybe it's appropriate since we're talking about listening today, we begin with a word of prayer and actually just listen for just a couple of seconds. So often we're talking at God, but very rarely do we actually listen to God. So wherever you're at, I want you to get comfortable. Just take a couple of seconds, and then we will pray together. God, thank you that you are present with us right here in this moment, wherever we're at, God. Help us to lean in, to listen to you, to listen to others. May your Holy Spirit move and convict and heal and restore, God. We give this time to you, and we ask that you be glorified. We pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I, uh, I saw a meme recently that honestly almost made me spit out my coffee. Here, here's the meme. Uh, my wife just stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? And I thought, that's a pretty weird way to start a conversation. <laughs> is, it, is anyone this guy? Yeah, I, I've done that more than once uh, this week. So let's face it, listening is tough, though. R- regardless of your wiring or your personality type, listening is difficult. In fact, there's a TV writer named uh, Rob Lezebnik, and he, I like what he said. He said, talking is like drinking a great Cabernet. Listening is like doing squats. Listening is like reading a corporate report, but talking is like eating a cinnamon bun. I mean, think about it. Give me Cinnabon every single time, right? And if talking is sweet, talking about yourself is even sweeter. In fact, there was a a Harvard study done recently that said the parts in our brain that fire up when we eat comfort foods like pizza and fried chicken are the exact same parts of our brain that light up when we talk about ourselves. In fact, it's the same part of the brain that lights up after like a hit of cocaine. We, We love talking and we love talking about ourselves. Everyone's talking, but few are actually being heard. And and here's what I know to be true. None of us will find the type of intimacy that we're longing for in a one-way conversation. I think all of us deeply desire at our core to know and be known, but that won't be found in one-way 
conversations. Now, now central to the biblical story is this idea of listening. In fact, in Deuteronomy 6, there's something called the Shema. It was sort of like the central prayer of the people of God. And the word Shema simply means to hear or to listen. But it also means to pay attention to, to focus in on. So so deeply embedded in this story is this idea of, of hearing, of listening. In fact, listening is also really interconnected into what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus as well. In Matthew, we see the disciples heard and then they followed. We as disciples, as apprentices, we hear and then we follow. Paul says to the church in Rome that hearing comes before faith. That's what precedes faith. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says that we need to be quick to listen. All throughout the biblical story, we, we see these examples of how important listening actually is. In fact, did you know that there are over 1,500 passages throughout Scripture that talk about listening? Over 1,500. When Scripture brings up something that many times, at the very least, we should give pause. In fact, I think maybe one of my favorites comes from Proverbs 17. Here's what it says. Uh, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. I've always found like a lot of comfort in that. And even if I just have no idea what's going on, just being quiet will sometimes maybe give off the impression that I know what's going on. In fact, this word discerning here, maybe a better translation is caring. There's this idea that listening is linked to loving. When we listen well to people, we're expressing a kind of love. But somewhere along the lines, though, I think we just forget this. I think we know this deep down, but it's it's hard for us to really remember that. So uh, before I continue my monologue on listening, which is ironic, I I thought it would be good for all of us to sort of know where we stand in this whole idea of listening. So I'd like for us to do a little quiz together. And wherever you're at, I'd like you to grab a, a piece of paper and a pen. You can also follow along in the notes section. And I want you to be honest. You're not, you don't have to turn these in at the end. And if you're really brave, by the way, I would encourage you, have your spouse or roommate or a close friend actually score you. Okay, so, so get out your pen and paper. And for every single one of these questions, I want you just to make a check mark for the ones that actually do apply to you. So check yes, make a tally if this one actually applies to you. You ready? All right, here we go. Number one, my close friends would describe me as a responsive listener. Go ahead and make a tally if that's you. Next, when people are upset with me, I'm able to listen to them without being defensive. Number three, I listen not only to the words people say, but also to the feelings behind their words and their body language. Next. I have little interest in judging other people or quickly giving my opinion. This is a particularly tough one for me, by the way. Number five, I'm able to validate another person's feelings with empathy, not just sympathy, with empathy, with actually entering into their world. Number six, I'm aware of my defensive mechanisms in stressful conversations. That's appeasing, ignoring, blaming, distracting. I've done all of those, by the way, probably this week. Number seven, I am deeply aware of how the family I was raised in has shaped my present listening style. This this one is huge. Do we actually know what patterns we have inherited from our parents and grandparents? 
Number eight, I ask for clarification when listening rather than filling in the blanks or making assumptions. I feel like there'd be a lot of Facebook fights that wouldn't happen if we did this one better. Number nine, I don't interrupt to get my point across when someone is speaking. And then lastly, number 10, I give people my undivided attention when they are talking to me. Okay, so moment of truth. Let's find out how we all did. Count up your tallies. And here is the score key for how we actually did. If you checked eight to 10, you are an outstanding listener. So digital high five. If you scored six to seven, you are a very good listener, making mama proud. Give her a call right now if you want. Okay, so if you got four to five, you're a good listener, not too shabby. But if you got zero to three, uh, well, you picked a really good day to be with us this morning. Let, let me just confess something, though, before we go any further. This is a very real area of struggle for me. I mean, I think for a lot of pastors and preachers, like speaking is a big part of what we do. And throughout my life, I, I have really struggled to listen well and certainly struggled to listen incarnationally. So I want to just begin with that confession. This is not an area of strength for me. I also want to ask you, before we go any further, I want you to think about someone in your life that you think really needs you to listen to them more. Just think of a person or people group, or it could be multiple people. Who, who's someone that right now is longing for you to listen to them? Because honestly, regardless of your score, we can all grow in this area, every single one of us. For example, um, has anyone ever felt, well, a little like this? Boys. Owen. Redmond. Owen. Redmond. Hey, Owen. Redmond. <laughs> Owen. Owen. Okay, so he here's the moment that I want to draw your attention to. Somehow, my son already has picked up on the fact that if I just give dad maybe a little tilt of the head, not breaking eye contact with the television, by the way. Redmond, in no way interested, but <laughs> Owen somehow has picked up, like, maybe if I, how many of us have done this with our lives with other people? We're maybe doing something else, but we'll sort of, yeah, I'll, I'll half pay attention. See, a lot of us maybe have felt the way that I felt filming this, but my guess is we've also probably made other people feel that way as well. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you heard someone say, man, those Christians are so good at listening. They're always asking thoughtful questions. They're curious to, to enter into my world. I've never met a group of people so intent on actually knowing me and my story and what makes me tick. I think listening is not only like a skill that we can all grow in, I think it's actually a way for us to love and heal the world. I heard a, a segment on uh, This American Life a little while ago, and it's about this New York couple named Liz and Bill. And what they would do is they would stand on the street, sometimes for like 12, 13 hours a day, and they just simply had like a, like a handmade sign that said, talk to me. And the stories that they told were unbelievable. They had a police officer who was sharing with them that his girlfriend had broken up with him and that she was engaged to another guy. They interacted with a mom who was really upset at a teacher who had hit her kid. There was one guy, actually, that talked to them for three hours. He was talking about a girlfriend that he couldn't get over. He talked about the war, and then he shared with them that he'd actually attempted suicide. 
Why would a stranger talk with someone they don't know for three hours on the street? I think it's because we're all longing to be listened to. So at this point, maybe you're thinking, okay, I, I, I get it. I get the idea of listening, but listening incarnationally, what, what is that all about? Uh, a couple of things. First, the incarnation is actually really central to the entire story of Jesus. In fact, John, one of Jesus' closest friends, he, he says it this way. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Okay, so the word here that John is describing is Jesus. It's the word logos. Jesus pre-exists the nativity scene and little baby Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. In fact, it sounds a lot like Genesis 1, the very beginning of the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus is fully God, present with God in the beginning. Now, just a few verses later, John goes on to explain who this word is. Here's what he says. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. The, the word put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That's the incarnation. This is why Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus became a person at the incarnation and the word became flesh, not a newsprint. That's why that's so significant. The incarnation makes Jesus relatable. Now, just to be clear, incarnational listening and the actual incarnation of Jesus are not the same thing, but I, I, I do think there are some parallels, though, that can help us to actually listen well. The first, um, Jesus left his world. Jesus left his world. He, he could have stayed in glory, seated on high. He gave up his rights and his privileges to become one of us. In fact, one of my favorite passages in all the scripture comes from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, and I just want to share it with you. It's Philippians 2, Verse three, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. How would that change things in our world if we actually took that seriously? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he's saying, don't just sort of get along have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He goes on, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. The word there literally means to be grasped or to, to be clung to, to be held onto. He didn't consider that something to like grip. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient obedient to death, even death on a cross. Je Jesus left his world, became one of us, and didn't just give us some nice teachings. He was obedient all the way to the cross. When we listen, we leave our world. We, we leave the comfort of our opinions, our perspectives, but we also leave the need to be right all the time. We leave our world for a moment and we take the focus off of ourselves and we look to the interests of others, just as Jesus did and does. Secondly, Jesus entered our world. Jesus experienced everything 
about what it means to be human. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 4 says, we have a high priest who understands, who, who gets it, who can empathize with our pain, with our struggle. He enters into it. Jesus spent time with people. He shared life with people. He gave people his full attention. Jesus was not rushed. Did you ever think about that? Close to half of the miracles of Jesus happened as a result of an interruption. Jesus was going somewhere else and someone interrupted him. He wasn't distracted. He, he wasn't rushed. He gave people his full attention. He looked them in the eyes and he loved them. He allowed himself to be interrupted. There's a, a journalist and an author named Krista Tippett. I love the way that she puts it. She says, listening is about being present, not just about being quiet. So often we think that listening is just simply shutting my mouth. But it's so much more than that. It's about being fully present with another person. Or as M. Scott Peck put it, uh, you can't really listen while doing anything else. Is anyone else mildly convicted by that one? Have any of us tried to like listen to someone, maybe especially someone that we love while also like doom scrolling on our phone or watching TV or doing anything else? We can't really listen if we're doing anything else. We have to be present. That requires margin. Like, for example, the, the very fact that you can hear me right now is because, well, there's a microphone right here that's, that's present. It's picking up the sound and it's transmitting it to you. But if I were to do this, though, not, now it's probably a, a little bit harder to hear me. Maybe you could, like, lean in and strain a little bit. Maybe you're having a hard time hearing me right now. Maybe, there's, maybe you're turning up the volume on your laptop or your TV and you're wondering what's going on. That's, but when we're present, though, when we're actually fully present, we hear each other. We see each other. We experience the humanity in each other. Jesus was present, and we can be too. And here, here's a couple, of, uh, a couple of ideas for how to actually do that. Number one, we can give our full attention. Give our full attention. That maybe seems really obvious, but eye contact. Put the phone away. I, I once had a friend say, listen like you're taking a prayer request. If you had to then pray for that person after they were sharing their life or their perspective or their story, would we even know how to pray for them? Secondly, step into their shoes. Step into their shoes. Psychologists call this emotional empathy. This means sometimes if all we can affirm is their passion, do that. Man, I really appreciate the fervor with which you've researched this topic or how strongly you feel about this idea. Affirm where we can. Third, avoid judging or interpreting. Re resist the urge to come to conclusions or rehearsing a response. Has anyone ever done that? While someone's talking, you're like playing over your response over and over and over. You're not listening. And again, this is something that for me is a very real struggle. So often we listen to respond, not listen to understand. Again, um, I think wisdom from James here is on point. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, meaning write it down. Remember this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Man, how would our world change if this became our mantra? Like, is anyone, anyone a perpetual fixer? Yeah, someone starts sharing a thought or a struggle, an idea, and my brain literally is trying to listen to patterns to go into fix-it mode. Sometimes we just need to be present. And then lastly, summarize what they said. Reflect back, echo back what you heard them say. And here's the thing that's easy to miss. If you're confused about something, ask for clarification. Asking for clarification is actually a way of giving honor. It's saying, I, I really want to understand what it is that you're saying here. Help me understand. Is this what you meant? It's not. Can you clarify? Asking for clarification is actually a beautiful way 
to give honor to the other person. It shows that we want to understand. Third, Jesus remained himself. Fully God, fully man. He never ceased being God. He was tempted, but he remained sinless. I think sometimes we think that if we listen incarnationally, I'm somehow going to compromise who I am. Compassion doesn't mean that we have to compromise. But being present with one another is so much of what our divided world needs right now, especially in the midst of this digital reality. How, how can we be present with one another? Maybe instead of asking, what do I need to say to this person when they're done talking? What if instead we asked, what, what do I need to know about this person? What if even that shift helped us to be more present? And then fourthly, Jesus lived between two worlds. Jesus lived between the two worlds, the tension of the now and the not yet. He was often telling them about that which was temporary, that which was fleeting, but he was also like giving honor to the present. He was present with their joy and their pain. He laughed and he wept, but he also pointed them to the kingdom of God. He lived in the tension of these two worlds. When we listen, we live in that tension. In fact, there's a lot of tension right now. What, what if we saw tension more as an opportunity to love rather than problems to erase? What, what if we leaned in that way and saw tensions as opportunities to show people what the love of God looks like in our political tensions, our socioeconomic tensions, our theological tensions? What, what, if, what if we weren't known as a people of like mic drops and hot takes, but people who leaned into the tension? who didn't run away from it when it got messy or tricky or confusing? What if we saw it as a way to love people? And when someone tells us their experience, it's not our job to tell them they're wrong. We lean into the tension. We live between these two worlds. But what if we saw that tension as a way to love, as a way to love one another? There's a German-American philosopher and theologian named Paul Tillich I think summarizes it beautifully. He said, the first duty of love is to listen. The first duty of love is to listen. So I want you to think again about that person that you thought of at the beginning of this talk, the person that deeply needs you to listen to them. It could be someone close to you. It could be someone you live with or maybe that even you're estranged from, that you have different philosophical or theological or political disagreements. You, you just, you haven't leaned into the tension. You haven't been present for one another. There's also a lot of racial tension in the world. What, what, what would it look like for us to be a people who listen, who, who pause? And, and maybe it's not necessarily asking someone to have a cup of coffee to help understand their worldview. What if it's reading books, watching films, listening to podcasts of people of color and women? What if, we, what if we were acknowledging the parts where I haven't been listening and I didn't even... I didn't even know I wasn't listening. What if we repented and lamented that fact and then responded in love by listening, by listening to these voices? So here's, here's the invitation. The invitation is to join Jesus in entering into the pain and brokenness of this world, the joys and sorrows, the triumphs and failures. David Osberger, I think, puts it best. He says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. In fact, I would say they're not even close. I, I think they are one and the same. 
We love one another by how we listen. And so often I think one of our biggest struggles just is our schedule. I think of a moment where I'm running from appointment to appointment and my little boy grabs my face as if to say, I need you to hear me, Dad, to listen to me. We're not going to do that to one another, but people are longing to be heard, really heard, really listened. Can we enter into their world to be love for them? Imagine what our relationships would look like if we listened incarnationally, if we were slower to speak, quicker to listen, if Christ followers became known as people who really listened. Because ultimately, I think we can't love well and listen poorly. So may we be a people who love well. Let's pray. God, thank you, first and foremost, that you loved us first, that when we could do nothing to earn or deserve it, God, you came after us and you keep coming after us that you give us an example, God, of how we're to live in the world. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would enable us to be those types of people. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, help us to have the courage to clear the schedule, to create margin, to be fully present with others, God, to not just hear, but to listen and to listen incarnationally, God. We thank you and we love you and we pray all these things in the powerful healing name, Jesus. Amen.